Coming up on this edition of the Golf Digest podcast, we discuss Matthew Wolf's breakthrough PGA Tour win and have a chat with his swing coach, George Gankus. My God, my swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! What is this, custom? Mine's off the rack. I wish Tiger Woods was here to help me with this. We'll do it live! Welcome back to the Golf Digest Podcast. I'm Alex Myers. Today I'm joined by Sam Wyman, Keely Levins. Guys, obviously we are going to talk to George Gankus a bit later. Uh, but first, obviously, his star pupil, Matthew Wolf. Uh, what an incredible finish. I think I don't think any of us were expecting the fireworks that we saw, obviously, at the 3M Open. Um, you know, it wasn't the greatest field. It was a kind of a, a newer course. Obviously, the Champions Tour had played there, but not the PGA Tour. And yet, we get one of the most exciting finishes ever. What? Uh, not ever, but... Definitely 3M Open. In the 3M Open, <laughs> it's up there. Uh, you know, so it, what do you think, uh, Sam? Obviously, first off, we got to talk about yeah, Matthew Wolf. Matthew. Um, I love how uh, Joel Beal had written a column for us on Monday or Tuesday about managing expectations and how we really need to keep them in check. Classic yeah. Beal. And then Wolf goes out and, yeah. and eagles the 18th hole to win his first event and his third start as a pro. And it's like, eh, never mind. Yeah. Now he's <laughs> the next Tiger Woods. Yeah, right. <laughs> now there's no stopping him. Bad dragon. Man, yeah. right. Anything less than a win is a disappointment now for Matthew Wolf. I mean, look, the guy is – actually, all kidding aside – um, you know the measure of a great player, as we've learned, is not how 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 hot you can get, because obviously he's proven by winning the NCAA championship again and winning here that that he's he has a gear that very few players have, uh, and it'll be really exciting to see what the you know the trajectory of the rest of his season is. You know where the great measure comes out, and I don't, I don't know why I'm already sounding a note of caution. Yeah. Is like you know. You know what is what is the average for him? You know, like is this is this if this is his average, if this is sort of his his norm, then we're looking at one of the all time greats. But the odds are that you just haven't seen enough. You just haven't seen enough of a sample data size. points yet. But but I mean all the all the raw ability, the swing speed. Uh, I mean, just obviously there's a uh, amazing level of confidence too. Um, speaks to the fact that he is going to be a a great PGA Tour player. The confidence is so interesting to me I feel like we haven't seen collegiate players come out as confident as they are this year especially and you're seeing it on the LPGA tour as well with Maria Fossey Jennifer Cupcho it's like these kids are coming out of college and just immediately saying I belong here and playing like it too it's it's well there's there's two factors (laughs) one is one is I think most of these players and Wolf is certainly one of them have had enough exposure to playing against mm-hmm. tour professionals where they feel like, okay, I can hang with these guys. And the other one is the old adage that they have less scar tissue, right? Mm-hmm. They have less bad golf in their history to... Uh, Dissuade them from, from believing. Feeling, right. Yeah. So, but again, he is he is a very unique talent, and so is his teacher, who we'll get into in a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned we get ahead of ourselves. Just in, what, October, Cameron Champ was supposed to take over right. the tour. Now, I do think there are a couple distinct... Uh, you know differences here. I'm not saying Cameron James still could take over the tour. He shot 28 uh, on Friday a couple weeks ago, um, but he's had already some injuries, the back issues. Cameron Champ. He also didn't win at the same rate that Matthew Wolf won, especially during that sophomore season at Oklahoma State. I mean, he won six times, including the NCAA championship, by mm-hmm. five shots. 
Um, you know, he won almost half his starts. That's, you know, people say, oh, well, that's college. That counts for something, right? I oh, mean, that, absolutely. Right, Keely? I mean, just and closing I, the deal. I think, yeah, and I think Cameron Champ is a good person to bring up because I think that's a mistake that we make a lot when we see young players like we have this tendency to become obsessed with distance and just be like oh my gosh this person is so long they're going to dominate and uh, distance is not nearly as important as having already learned how to win how to convert under pressure which is a, a tool that Matthew clearly has yeah and it's interesting when we talk to George um, he mentions that when he started working with Matt when he was in eighth grade that he already knew how to score he said he already knew how to play golf it was just kind of like mm-hmm. figuring out the swing and, and tweaking a couple things um yeah I I don't know it, it's the expectations have definitely been ratcheted up I for one am always someone who thinks um I don't want to say jump to conclusions but you know I think a young running back in the NFL is just as a chance to be the best. You know, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Who's the best running back in the NFL last year? I don't care if he's a rookie. Uh, and, and golf, maybe you need a little more seasoning, but I just, well, like Keely said, I don't know if you need that seasoning anymore. These guys are very prepared right off the bat. Well, no, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, good golf is transferable wherever you're playing. I don't think that's the issue. I think to Keeley's point, it's more about how well do these guys actually know how to play golf. And I'm not, right. I'm not mm-hmm. at all suggesting that Matthew Wolf doesn't know how to play golf because he does. But, you know, Let's before we get uh, enamored with his clubhead speed and all these numbers that jump off a track man, you know, the difference between golf and football more so than anything else is you can't just quantify everything in golf in terms of someone's talent. Like, you know, a guy runs a mm-hmm. four three forty, he benches right. presses this number of times. There's that's that that is more easily transferable to um, performance in football. And you know, to some extent, that that's also true in other sports. Golf has some of that. Certainly, clubhead speed is you know I would kill for any of these guys' clubhead oh, speed man. and the ability to to putt. But it's just there is this sort of intangible quality because the playing field always changes. I mean, all these cliches, playing field always changes, conditions always change, the circumstances always change. So it's how you navigate all of those things. And I was actually really again going back to Gankus, I was really. Um, uh, pleased to hear him talk about that there's a lot of guys he teaches who hit the ball great right and but don't know how to play the game right, right? you know mm-hmm. and, and um because it's very easy for uh, people to really look at all these track man numbers and think okay well that's it the guy's right. gonna be the greatest player of all time right mm-hmm. but we talked to him again about obviously club at speed and you know he he gave us some tips and he also talked about uh you know how it's not always all about club at speed like you're saying however it's pretty crazy I've seen, you know, Aaron Oberholzer, former PJ Tour player, obviously now with Golf Channel. He said that in th- within three swings with Genkis, he that's, his, yeah, his that was speed went up five miles per hour, and that typically someone who goes to him uh, by the end of a lesson can gain ten miles per hour speed. Now I know Sam, you and I we're we're lacking in the speed department, so ten, I mean ten miles per hour. By the way, thank you for lumping me I, in. I, I mean, actually, <laughs> well, 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 hey, just hang drag on. You down I with know me. this because we went to that driver oh, testing right. last year and my yes. numbers were like almost were eerily exactly. and I use eerily in the worst sense eerily similar because they were they were feeble yeah <laughs> they were bad they were not good and Sam you're hockey players I still don't get that but Keely <laughs> I mean 10 miles per hour swing speed for you if you could add it add that to oh you, my god what would that do for that you that would be so nice then I could just like hit nice little short irons and and not hit skanky thin five but, irons but you're proving my greens. point which is that you already know how to play golf you have all these other qualities right uh, you're you're thinking of like the next right. level you're not just like oh i'm gonna bomb it which is smart i mean you're thinking right 
what well, it will yeah, do. Yeah, guys, that's golf. Right. right. Yeah. But if you're Aaron, <laughs> I, don't, you know, I don't have Aaron Overholzer's uh, stats when he was playing on the regular tour. Right. What his driving, I think he actually was a pretty decent, had a pretty decent length off the tee. But uh, he's obviously, you know, at one point was a promising talent, had a lot of skills. As a golfer, probably says, God, I would just kill for 15 more yards. Yeah. Imagine, mm-hmm. imagine if you had 15 more yards off the tee and you're a professional, right. and now suddenly you're hitting, you know, nine iron wedge as opposed to seven iron or eight iron. I mean, that's a big oh, difference. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. So, you know, at that level, it makes a huge difference. Right. But again, that's on top of right. all of these uh, inherent abilities. But obviously, you know who did do that, a three time major champ, and now he, he actually, it's funny that he works with George Gankis. He was right at the top of the game. He was at the top of the game. He sought out more distance. Well, didn't work for that's him. That's a classic he's, cautionary he's tale. Old, he's the biggest tinkerer, obviously, yeah, that we but know. But there's tons of cautionary tales right. about guys like that who are like, God, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm good. Right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm almost great. And what would really make me great is if I could just add. And what, what happens in those situations is guys uh, start – start messing with with sort of the foundation that got them to that mm-hmm. to that point of their success right. I, mean, I don't ever remember him being being short by any no he, he, was, he wasn't right but, but he, he, he wanted to hit these like low right rolling so they, draws. and that's what the danger of the track man is suddenly guys become enamored with these numbers like oh my right. numbers are doing this and they're doing that and um, my spin rate is 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 off and suddenly you're starting to um you know sacrifice some of the in- you lose feel right yeah and that's that's one of the things that I really like about Wolf's swing is that it shows that there hasn't been an obsession with, you know, making things look perfect. It's about making his swing work for him and instead developing more of a golf game instead of a golf swing. Well, I made that point um, or we brought that that point up uh, a few weeks ago talking about Wolf, which is that and mm-hmm. I, th- I still think this is true. By the way, didn't you think I could say in a, on another time he said something like he he could have improved uh, seven miles an hour on Ben Hogan's. Yes, but but yeah, because his elbow is yeah. too tucked. But but yeah. but but his his point is a good one, which is that you know in an earlier time, twenty years ago, you would look at Matthew Wolf swing and say, "Hey, that's not going to hold up." Uh, right. Let's uh, let's get you on plane. Right. Let's, right. Yep. But now you have these actual numbers that can yes. measure everything, and mm-hmm. you can say, "Well, why would you change it? Look at the numbers; they're just as good as right. player over here who has the you know more uh, fundamentally right. correct swing." Meanwhile, I'm trying to tuck my elbow more. Uh, I never understood the obsession with tucked elbow. I never understood the obsession. Are you dropping it in? Yeah, a little. You, where are you going? Little t- and, and folding it on the way back because I'm I'm feeling like I'm up here too much. But he's saying, a little "Do that." Is that a Let it fly. Do we have a? Yeah. <laughs> no, rapid start. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could go to a million different guys. They'll say a million different things. But obviously, right now, George Gankus is the guy who, you know, guys guys are flocking to. Um, I do just want to mention the finish itself because obviously Bryson DeChambeau uh, makes an eagle on 18. He's now all of a sudden an old man at 25, and, it's, and not only <laughs> an old man, but like the old kind of like quirky, forgotten guy. <laughs> now, this now Matthew Wolf is more quirky than him and younger. And who knows, maybe better. I mean, that's that's kind yeah. of crazy if you're Bryson DeChambeau. You last year you're coming up for a season where you win, you know, four times, and, yeah. and you're you're on the way to number one in the world, maybe. And now yeah. everybody's talking about this guy, and obviously he goes yeah. viral with that that face, that face. The, the face when he finds out uh, that Wolf made it. I don't yeah. know. It no, was, well, you, you it was know, good to see him up there though, because he's obviously had not the greatest uh, year following up that season last year. Hell sure. of a shot into eighteen Incredible. too. Holy! Yeah. I love par fives on eighteen. Ooh, I think so love too. It. With I, I water love it. too. Right. Like his tee shot almost went in, mm-hmm. but then he was right there, and he could take a crack. Yeah. The sl- sling nation, and, and as Chris Power said. There's nothing worse than 
like a par four where you know you know yeah. the stroke average is you know four point four yeah. on the last yeah. like who cares it's so boring when a guys actually have a chance to make a move on eighteen it's the best. Mm-hmm. What I was gonna say about uh, Deschambeau is you know. Maybe you know, we always talk about like the next sensation is like a new sensation yeah. every month. Every month, you know, you know. I think one of the one of the things we forget is that maybe all these guys are actually this good, and they are really. Yeah. It's just there's so many of them there's now. So it's harder to distinguish yourself. So, so as opposed to when Tiger came out, I mean, who was like who was the other guy that came out at the same time as Justin Tiger? Leonard? Justin Leonard, David Duval, a little bit. Yeah. You know, like all these guys. You know, there weren't just as many guys no. who were sort of crowding that that field. Now there's, you know, there seems like there's 30 of these sort of young right. talents who, at some point, negate each other right. because mm-hmm. you know they're all right. they're all playing great golf at a ridiculously young age at the right. same time. And that's why when we talk about projecting how many majors guys are going to win, I mean, there's so many guys who could win handfuls of majors, and there's only so many right. to divvy them up. Amongst right, exactly. Guys. And, then the, and the field just keeps growing. A guy like Ricky Fowler is 30 years old now. He hasn't won a major, and now he's got all these new guys to contend with it's it's crazy um all right let's well first i do want to also say i mean kyle morikawa he's another he's stud too, too. Yeah. looking at his scores he's had literally one bad score since turning pro and that included i mean at the u.s open he went 71 73 72 69 um he's had one over par score one over 70 score in his other three events and he had an eagle chance to even tie I, re- I really thought he was going to make Yeah, that. I mean, so, and, and the fact that two guys who just turned pro about a month ago were playing in the final group, pretty crazy. And, and that, that the day before, Matthew Wolf was playing with Tom Lehman, Amazing. a 60-year-old and a 20-year-old at so golf good. is crazy. It's awesome, but it's pretty crazy. All right, speaking of kind of crazy and out there, obviously, George Gankis is a guy who has developed a following for kind of his unorthodox teachings. Uh, we had uh, the pleasure of talking to him. Obviously, he's basking in the glow from his prize proof prized pupils win uh matthew wolf so please have a listen to our chat with george gankis before we go on let me talk for a second about golf digest schools golf digest schools is our new cutting edge video instruction platform offering more than 250 classes on every part of the game and featuring the leading teachers in golf, from Butch Harmon to David Ledbetter to Michael Breed. Unlike the quick tips you can find across the internet, these are full game improvement programs meant to be followed step by step, as if you were working with a pro. It's like Masterclass meets Netflix, but even better because there's the added promise of feedback. To sign up for Golf Digest Schools, go to golfdigest.com backslash access and use promo code SCHOOLS to get 30% off an annual subscription again, golfdigest.com backslash all access and use promo code schools. Okay, we're excited to welcome one of the hottest swing coaches in golf to the Golf Digest podcast, George Gankis. George, thanks for joining us and uh, congratulations, obviously, on Matthew Wolf's big win yesterday. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty exciting time to uh, have a win from, you know, three starts. It's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, George, obviously a lot of hype about this kid. Um, for a while now, but especially since he turned pro, what was your timeline for him in terms of actually winning? And did you think it was going to be this quick? Um, absolutely, there was no timeline. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I kept reminding him because he was stressed out um, right off the bat that you know he needed to get his card. And I said, "Listen," I, I looked him in the face. I said, "Listen, you don't have to actually get your tour card." you're going to be fine no matter what. 
I said, you're going to have enough starts that you will get it because you're that good. Um, so I had to keep, um, and I think his whole team around him, you know, had to, had to let him know that there's no panic and um, he has plenty of time. And so did I believe that it would happen this quick? Um, I would be lying if I said no, um, because I, I obviously believe in the kid and I thought he could win, you know, all six, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I've known that from the start that he's going to be a killer. But right. the fact is, without being cocky, I just know how good he is. Um, and I think everybody knows that now. Um, but but at the time, people had doubts because he started out. You know, when I when I got onto the tour and saw him the first time after the national championship, he was struggling with his ball, ball, uh, ball striking because uh, he hadn't practiced and was doing a bunch of media stuff. So when I got there, he wasn't hitting it his best. And so... You know, the first two weeks of it, he wasn't, you know, on full tilt. And then when I left him in Minnesota, he was he was smashing the ball. So I knew I, – I wasn't claiming he was going to win, but I was claiming that he was going to have a good week this week. Sure. So have you been uh, – I, I saw you up at, at Travelers. You, were you, you said you were in Minnesota as well. Have you been kind of traveling with him? Have you adjusted your schedule to kind of focus on, on Matt? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, if, I, if I go out there, I go out there – you know, once a month um, to visit tour players, uh, Max. Um, but I had gone out there two out of the three weeks that he was there, and I, and I told him that I would um, just to make sure that he was comfortable out there. Uh, so his first week uh, was, yeah, it was in Connecticut, and then, you know, two weeks later I was at Minnesota, which seems like a long time ago, but it was, I guess, like five days ago, six days ago. <laughs> I mean, George, so much of, you know, what I've heard and, and read about you is that you're really a proponent of, um, you know, the, the the golf swing has been almost misinterpreted for so long and that, you know, it's really about what the, what the club's doing at impact and how it looks is sort of inconsequential. And this has got to be, in some ways, one of the greatest validations of that based on his swing. And I know, I know you've talked about this before, but tell me a little bit about your – your start with Matt and, um, you know, I, I would imagine a lot of guys before you had the inclination or the temptation to try to change his swing and you decided that that was absolutely the worst thing you could do. So tell me about that, those beginning years and, 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 you know, what you were trying to do with him when you first started working with him. Well, you know, I started with him at such an early age. I mean, 13, 14 years old. Um, he like I just told on morning drive. I said, you know, he's sitting on a bench and he and he looks at me. And I don't know who the kid is. And he goes, "Are you George Gankis?" And I go, um, "Yeah, what's up, I'm all, Who's this little clown?" <laughs> um, and he just and he just smiled. I'm all, "Are you Matt Wolf?" Because I saw his, I, I I saw his name pop up because he was playing against a bunch of my players. So he was a cute little kid sitting on the bench. And then I saw him hit. And I'm all, "That's a sick little swing." <laughs> and he's hitting these slinger thirty yard draws. Um, so it was, it was kind of cool when I first saw him, um, and I looked at his swing and I liked it. I just liked the swag behind it. He didn't have the trigger he has now, but he had the foot off the ground, the club cross jumping off the ground. I mean, jumping off the ground. Um, so he had a lot of the same characteristics, but you know, his path was way more in doubt. He had no rotation to the shot. Um, and, and he didn't have the trigger he has now. So there was things that people go, Oh, you never touched the swing. But um, absolutely, I did. But I just kept the things that, that didn't need to be changed. Do you think that, I mean, obviously there's so much, uh, there's so many resources at the disposal of teachers now and players for that matter. 
if this was, I mean, this this happened, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, where there was not TrackMan and FlightScope, um, and you didn't have numbers to sort of validate what you were what you were seeing, do you think that it's it would be much harder to justify uh, having having a keeping a swing that maybe aesthetically doesn't match up with what the sort of norm has been? Uh, not for me. I mean, I, I look at ball flight, and I always have. It's not about so much the golf swing as being the way it should look. If, you know, the path and face match up um, with the right angle of attack, um, I'm, good, I'm good with it. You know what I mean? And, and the, the different, the more and more different it is, is, is to me more consistent because that's their national fingerprint. It's, it's naturally what they do. It's how they repeat. Um, but when we start messing with things that are not natural, basically we are not in a flow state in my opinion so and that would be my opinion because a lot of people would disagree with me but i feel like if something's natural if i picked up a ball and threw it and then somebody changed my whole throw that's not natural so Hmm. for for him everything he does is very a natural flow when he even talks everything he does is in a flow state so it's it's why he performs in an optimal state under the gun uh, going back to that first encounter with him, so did Matt seek you out? Then he found you at at your range, or and how did that? How did the meeting come about between you two? Well, that's a good question. It was basically he would watch me because he was on a team, a high school team that was right next to him. They're probably on one of the greatest high school teams ever hmm. um, in in California. Um, they should have won three state championships in a row, and that's never been done, but they won two and took second on the third year in California, which is pretty big because mm-hmm. there's a lot of schools. Um, but um, and that being said, they, they had good teams coming up, and I, and I coached most of the kids um, on the team for, you know, 10 years before he'd even come. Uh, so when he actually hit, he knew who I was, and I'd seen his name. So he was hitting balls next to me, and you know he had a couple players on the team that he really respected that were older than him, and he knew they went to me, and so he was you know hitting balls, and he's like, "What do you think?" And I said, "I love it." And basically, you know, a week later, his dad came over and said, "I'm really nervous about this meeting. You know, I don't know. You know, I don't want his swing to be changed too much." And I'm like, "I love it. I think it's cool." I said, "You know, the only thing that I would do." is really, you know, make his mind stronger and, and control his ball flight better and make him miss on the correct side of the pins, um, get his, you know, flight patterns better, um, things like that, and, and, you know, teach him to score. And he already knew how to score before I got, got with him, um, but I made things a lot easier, I promise, um, on that one, <laughs> from not slinging it. Right. You mentioned, I think I've heard you say that um... – he's the easiest coaching job in the world for you. What, what makes him so easy to work with? Because from the outside, it looks like he's got such an unusual swing that that would almost make it a difficult job. But you, you say it, it's very easy to work with them. Well, okay. So let me give you an example. When I got to his coach, Bratton, um, coach Bratton, Alan Bratton, for the head coach at Oklahoma state, he called me and he said, um, can you come out and, and to, to, to to Dallas Um, and I said what for he goes well Matt needs a little help and I'm like okay and so I rolled out there Um, I got to visit Matt the the week before national championship and he wasn't hitting the ball very well so within you know I don't know a minute I see his swing and, and he's not drawing it the way he wants and his cuts are too spinny 
And to me, that shows that his angle of attack is too down. And so he's trying to jump up through the ball, and the ball is going squirrely. Um, so immediately I look at it and I go, okay, this kid's not turning like he normally does. So I turn his hips, and he go, and he goes, that that feels like shit. And I'm like, um, let me let, let me see what it looks like. Uh, get a ball. So I turn his hips, and he blasts it. And I'm like, how'd that feel? And he goes, like shit, but the ball was great. And I'm like, all right, well let's do it again. So he smashes another one. And he's like, wow, he says, that feels a lot better. So the next thing you know, we're done. That's all I needed to do. I hmm. just turned his hips. And so I put a stick in his belt so he had a reference to how far he's turning his hips. And with turning his hips, obviously his shoulders got back. Um, and now he could stay on top of it and not have to jump. Because if you just didn't turn and you lifted your arms and you started to actually dig in the ground, you're going to chop it. You're going to look like Charles Barkley. Um, so... <laughs> The fact is, is as soon as I turned him back, next thing you know, he could just deliver the club without having any compensation from the downswing. So that, that's one example of, you know, how easy it was for me. You know, I went out there, it took me legit two minutes to, to figure out he wasn't turning uh, where somebody else might have changed. Well, most people would have changed some other stuff that was not necessary, and, and it would have gone the wrong way. Um, two, weeks, two weeks after he won the tournament, he and I played, and we were just out playing for fun. You know, he wasn't on his best, but, you know, he still, you know, probably shot 67 that day. So the fact was, it wasn't like he was hitting it amazing. Um, and he just got a new driver, uh, still tailor-made. Uh, he went from the M6 to M5, uh, or M5 to M6, um, both great drivers. Um, but one, the M6 for him was, the one he had was spinning a little bit more than he needed to. So I get on the first week, we go to the Travelers, um, and he's hitting the ball decent, but very spinny on all his, all his clubs. Um, and he hadn't really got any practice because of media training and all the rest. Um, and he was just, you know, he was just coming down from, you know, winning the national championship. Um, so I get there, and he's hitting his two iron dead right, dead right, dead right. And I look at his grip, and his grip is always weak. Um, and that being said, it's like, I'm not going to change his grip right before a tournament, but he's all, dude, can you please get me to stop missing this? Right. And I'm like, um, first off you're under and your club face is wide open. And it's not like, okay, I've seen his face open before. I've seen all these things before, but it was really open and really under and his grip was weaker than normal. So it was like one of those things where I pulled up an old video and I showed him from the week before, two weeks before I said, here's your video from two weeks ago, here's yours from now. And there was a very big change um, in, my, in my eyes. So that being said, I said, I don't want to change your grip before a tournament because that'd be the worst mistake a coach could make. But when I saw his ball flying as right as it was and as spinny as it was, you know, we had to talk about it. I said, this is your option. I said, if you want to do this, just do it with your two iron because two iron was the biggest problem in the driver and three when he hit it and it was flush and flush and flush. But there's no way you're going to trust that right off the bat. So he had problems that we trusting, you know, a, a little stronger grip and more rotation and staying on top of it. And then the week after he came out and he started to hit the ball better, but he didn't score well. Um, and then I came out again in Minnesota and he was starting to hit it more flush, but he wasn't controlling his pattern. So I said, you know, he was trying to hit a cut and his feet were right. Um, and for all those of you who know ball flight laws, you can still hit up on it um, and get your path to, to shift more left. 
Um, but I got his body lines a little more left, and next thing you know, he's hitting the cut that he normally does with the driver, um, and it wasn't, you know, missing both ways. Next thing you know, um, he was comfortable again. Um, he also got he had a new caddy on the, um, Steve uh, mm-hmm. on the, on the bag, and and that helped too. He's great. I mean, next thing you know, he's sending me videos, and and that kind of helped. But if if you just look at the plain and simple thing as far as Matt Wolf. Um, myself going out there and watching him, you know, over the three weeks, four weeks, five weeks of the changes that we made were so real small, but it was nothing that he hadn't already done. It wasn't anything where I came there and go, oh, let's fix your grip or let's fix your, your body lines. It just is adjusting him back to where he's always been when he's played his best. So it's never, hey, let's recreate the wheel here. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like, yeah, it sounds like you guys have a kind of a, uh, a foundation that you're just kind of working off of and there are little adjustments here and there. Um, George, by the way, you posted on Instagram your sort of reaction to watching his winning Eagle Pub. What, where, where, what was the setting there? Where were you? Uh, and I guess what what was it like for you um, just on an emotional level seeing that happen? Um, it was pretty incredible. I mean, I was with all my boys in the back, um, and it was a nice sunny day, and we're just at the pool, and, and you know, it was it was cool because we were watching and I couldn't see because my TV outside has so much glare um, that you know I'm I'm over there and they all saw it before I did. I was just trying to trace the, the TV because I was hoping you know he's, he he'd have a cool moment like that and 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 he made it and by the reaction I, we were all tripping um, because I didn't get to see the putt go in until <laughs> later. That's <amazing. laughs> but after the reaction, I was like, "This is ridiculous." I was like, "This is amazing." Let, let's let's so. talk for, uh, for a second, if you don't mind, about your your background, your beginnings in the game. Um, I know you you made a run as a as a tour professional and and got into teaching. I'm curious. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of your story is about how unconventional you are. You never went the PGA route. I'm wondering when or why that was such a conscious decision on your part. Um, because I don't think that you should have to go through a program to teach uh, people if you're qualified already. Um, if you can actually, you know, make somebody happy and may have them hit the ball better uh, without going through a program that's where everybody else has gone, um, who most of the people at the point at the time 20 years ago um, couldn't, you know, even hit a golf ball. So let alone teach somebody how to play golf. Um, I thought was not the route that I wanted to go down. Um, and it was pretty as simple, simple as that. And I didn't want to work in a pro shop. Um, and there's nothing wrong with working in a pro shop for those of you who are out there working in pro shops. It's just that that wasn't for me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be on the business side of golf, uh, as far as, you know, running a shop, being a manager, uh, running the golf course. That wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to either play or I wanted to actually help people get better at golf. That yeah. was what I always knew that I was good at transferring info to um, other people. That, right. that was my gift, and, it, I, and everybody in my family is a teacher, um, and I feel like I can dummy things down pretty pretty good at the time, um, and that's why I went my route. And obviously, you're still a really good player. I've heard you say you're a plus four, which I mean, people like us that we we marvel at that. Um, and I understand you kind of won over even um, your first uh, PGA Tour client, Sung Kang, by how well you played with him. And you're a big believer in being able to do the things that you're actually teaching these guys. Um, I don't think it's mandatory. You look at like a David Ledbetter or 
you know, so, someone with a, a fact. Um, you, you, I mean, Jeff Pierce, great, great coach. Um, not Jeff Pierce. I mean, Jeff Smith. Jeff Pierce is a great coach too. The best short game guy that I know. Hmm. Um, Jeff Jeff Smith is a great radar golf pro. Um, amazing coach. So so is Trackman Meister. Those guys are not considered players, um, but they're some of the best coaches in the world. So I don't think it's a mandatory thing that you, you play golf, but I think what it helps for, you know, you look at a, like a Boyd Summerhays, who I think is one of the best coaches in the world. Uh, you look at Boyd, and Boyd can play, um, and, and Boyd can also teach. And so when you look at a player, a, a coach like that, um, or myself who can play, um, you know, you get kids that are like, my hands are swollen. I'm like, well, you were drinking the night before because I've done it. I mean, there's things that, that, that I can relate to. Have you ever had this feeling like certain kids will call me and be like, dude, right before I, I putt, my heart starts to race and I, I'm missing these three, four footers. And, and if I never felt that, it would be kind of hard for me to relay information to the players. And I felt these things that these players have felt. And there's, not many things I can say that these players have come at me with that I haven't experienced myself. So I think that is where I, I really think it's important to have played, but it's not everything, especially for golf swing. And, and, and people can still research it out to where they go, okay, well, I know what's going on, blah, 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 or they can find a resource to, to, to find out. But I, I do find that it's easy when a player can trust you, the fact that you've, you've done a lot of the things. Um, and you can play and you can actually beat them because I can pretty much beat any one of my players on a good day. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Including Matt Wolf, and he knows that. <laughs> and, and, and am I right in saying that, that you're not done um, yourself in terms of competing? Like you, you have aspirations of maybe playing some, some events as a senior. Yeah, I got a couple of years to go. And, you know, as long as my body stays as good as it is right now, which is not good, but, but healthy-wise, I'm physically really good. Uh, I just need to get my fat ass in shape. Um, <laughs> but as soon as, as soon as I turn 50, yeah, I absolutely do, you know, have aspirations of, you know, try, trying to compete a little bit. Although, you know, I've got, you know, I can't even say because i got some guys in the down low. Um, but I've got probably about – eight guys on the PGA Tour that I'm coaching right now and wow. quite a few on the web or not, it's not the web or whatever it's called, Corn, Corn Ferry. Corn Ferry or, <laughs> yeah, Corn Ferry Tour. Um, so, so you know, it's, it's going to become more and more difficult and I got this new membership site launching on the 30th that's, that's probably going to be pretty decent and um, that being said, you know, I'm going to have a lot of responsibilities. You know, I'm probably going to end up opening up an academy uh, so there's going to be a lot of things that are cool in my future that are going to keep me occupied. But, you know, my first love is, is definitely playing, um, and my second is teaching. But somehow um, I'm better at teaching than I am golf, obviously, <laughs> or I wouldn't be where I'm at. Well, um, you mentioned you have up to eight guys now on tour that are on the, on the down low. What, why, why is that? Um, is, is that your choice to keep it on the down low, or is it their choice? What, no, what's... Well, so, some of it is, is the fact that they want to try me and make sure you know, that they, they want to do this. Right. And, and, and by the way, I think that in, for a lot of tour players, I, I'm whacked, I'm, I'm different, and, and you know, I, I'm not accepted. Mm -hmm. um, so, so the fact is, is, is a lot of them are you know, skeptic on, on when, they, when they get me out there with them, they're like, wow, um, you're not as, as crazy as I thought. <laughs> right. and, 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 
You know what I mean? And so, so the thing is, this, a lot. I think a lot of players are just afraid because they, they think that I'm going to change their whole swing. Right. Or and, and the funny thing is, is they think that I'm going to just do leg work and, and have them squatting and doing weird shit. <laughs> and, and and so the fact is, is that they have no clue until they see me, and they're like, "Whoa, that was didn't even talk about legs." Um, but but if anybody knows, they should know that. Look at I've kept wolf swing compared to, you know, I've had the privilege of being able to work with Adam Scott, right. you know what I mean? And, and so, and then you got Padraig, who's one of my favorite guys on the planet, by the way, and, and he's down to do whatever. So it's it's cool to be able to, you know, work with some players that, that are so different. And I think that's what people are afraid of is that I'm going to make these crazy changes. Um, but to be honest, um, I'm just going to change what needs to be changed. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> nothing more than that, and especially nothing for my ego because, you know, it's for me. It's not about me. It's about helping them hit it better. And so that being said, if they want to leave their swings alone, that's that's their call. If they want to work on just, you know, working a ball flight or whatever, that's that's their call. I, I give them what they want, and, and that's the one thing I think that people are going to start to realize is that if you want to look like Matt Wolf and, and you feel like you have the time to do it. Uh, and you want me to make your swing look like his? Good, but I'm not going to promote to swing a certain way. Right. Um, people are going to people are going to come to me and tell me what they want, and, and I'm going to do my best to give them the, the, whatever they can do or whatever they want. How much of a boost did you get from Adam Scott seeking you out just through your videos? And like you you mentioned, I mean, he's a guy who has what what looks to be a, a classical swing, and he went and sought you out, and and now he's had great success since. How much did that? help your your brand within the PGA Tour? You know what, Adam Scott is probably one of the nicest and most talented guys that I'll ever be able to work with. Um, and and I was very grateful that he gave me the opportunity to even just, you know, like hang out with him and talk with him. <laughs> um, but, but, but I knew that from the start of that, that that was never gonna last, because I knew I had his brother-in-law, and I knew that also, you know, there was not so much stuff to even do. The only thing he wanted to do really was, you know, get his setup a little bit more balanced and have more rotation through the shot. There was no other changes he needed to make. So, so for me, did that give me a boost? I, I don't know if it helped me or hurt me. You know what I mean? It's almost like Tiger Woods with Como. Did that help him or hurt him? Mm. So, so the fact is, you know what I mean? It was, did that help him? I don't think that helped Como at all. Right. Um, so, so the fact is, is did, did he help me? I, I don't, I don't know if he helped me or hurt me um, because he didn't stay with me. Um, I don't really care, to be honest. I'm mm. just, I'm just grateful that I got the opportunity to, to hang with them. Um, but, but as long as I'm helping my players, I'm happy. Uh, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me as, as far as the coach, at the, especially at the moment. Maybe, you know, five years ago, I definitely cared. Uh, at this moment, it, it, that's, that's the least of my worries. You know, I've heard um, you. I think it was on the No Laying Off podcast. You had said that um, you know people get preoccupied with. The, the look of a swing and there's some fantastic uh, you know ball strikers who don't have great swings and there's some fantastic looking golf swings or you know quote unquote fantastic looking golf swings that aren't necessarily producing great golf shots so if I was going to put you on the spot you might not want to name names who who is a person who you think has a classic great golf swing who who actually has some noticeable flaws in that swing um shit there's a lot of guys on the PGA Tour that I could run through that people are, oh, that swing's perfect. And I'm like, it's not even close to perfect. <laughs> um, and there is, and there is no such thing as perfect to me. Perfect is, you know, creating a, you know, a, a directional mist that's, that's appropriate for the shot at hand. 
So um, that being said, you know, you got a tuck left pin and, and you're trying to come in right to left uh, on a tuck left pin um, and you cross that pin and there's, there's trouble left of the pin, like most, most of the time, then that's an appropriate miss and your swing could look beautiful. Um, but that could just be an alignment issue or a ball position issue. And it might not even be your golf swing issue that you missed it on the wrong side. So um, there, there's, there's so much that goes along with golf and to call somebody out and say, hey, their swing's garbage or it's, it's good or bad. I, I, got, I got kids that hit it better on, on, than the PGA Tour players. They hit it more solid, you know, and, and they hit it harder. But they can't play golf. So golf is a whole different animal, you know what I mean? So, you know, just because you can hit a ball and have good ball striking, shit, I've been teaching guys to hit the ball solid for a long, long time and, and hard. Um, but but you've got to go out and put the time on the course. And the guys on tour, that's why they're on tour, because they know how to play golf. They can get the ball in the hole. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Uh, they've got a complete game. And, and, and so for me to say this guy's got a, a, a non-fundamental swing would be shitty. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, I've heard you say that you you're you weren't initially into speed. You weren't speed focused, but everybody is kind of obsessed with speed, gaining more speed. That's why a lot of guys are coming to you. Sam and I, we both lack a lot of speed. <laughs> uh, and I don't know what Sam's excuse is. He was a hockey player, uh, so he should be able to crank it. But what I know, obviously, yeah. in generalities, speaking in generalities, what what would you say are the 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 three or four things that hold people back from from speed amateurs like us? One, not finishing your turn. Mm -hmm. uh, first off, first off, I should your setup, uh, your balance points, how you set up is is the number one thing that I think is the biggest problem in golf hmm. uh, to create speed. So people don't realize they think by getting into the ground and really like anchoring into the ground is going to create speed. Um, just like a baseball player, baseball players uh, uh, when they're setting up to about hit a ball, they're not anchored in the ground. They're actually standing pretty up. So when they get up and the, the ball is about ready to go, then they start digging in the ground or sinking into the ground. Um, so so for, for number one, for speed, setup is very important not to get your butt too far back, your heels bent over, really straight back. That stuff's garbage. Um, that's one. Two is finishing your turn. Um, so, and when I say finish, if we're looking at driver alone, finishing the turn it is a huge deal as far as for speed, Three is your, your trail arm placement uh, not being tucked. It's like throwing a football like a quarterback. Why the hell would you ever tuck your arm? Um, so especially if you want speed. And, and accuracy, too. I don't claim that, that tucking your right arm or your trail arm, if you're a lefty, um, is going to create any speed. And then, and then after that, how you leverage the ground. Why would you want to leverage the ground? Why would you want to get in the ground if you don't turn? If you don't turn the first thing you're going to want to do is tilt or stand up to get the club back inside so if you finish your turn you don't have to stand up uh, or compensate so then you can really leverage the ground which means that's speed uh and then you know from there how you use the ground uh, how you explode up um how you continue to use the ground to turn uh are, are all characteristics of, of a player that has speed and so where i learned speed is watching you know Jamie Sadlowski, a guy yeah. who actually, you know, send me, send me, sends me a couple swings every once in a while, um, which is kind of cool to see a guy like, like Sadlowski, you know, and how much he weighs, hit the ball as far as he does, um, is, is where I learned 
from watching a guy that that's that big could could really leverage the ground and really use the ground to um, hit it, or actually just his whole body to to hit the ball as hard as he does. That's that's where I learned speed. Is is the is there a downside, um, George, to pursuing speed? You know, just for speed's sake, in the sense that uh, are you are yeah, players absolutely. okay? And what is it? Absolutely. It's because people are, don't know how to use speed. They're using it with their arms and swinging as hard as they can. That's not speed to me. It, it's it's effortless speed is what yeah. matters. Mm-hmm. It, it is not not sliding your legs to create speed. Not hopping up out of the ground to, to create speed. Not you know not just doing stupid shit to create speed. And I think that too many people think of me as a speed coach of me like hitting it all over the planet. Um, and, and so that being said, it's just you know lack of common sense to think that people are just trying to do long drive contests around my place right so that, that, that's initially where it came from is is the fact that we did do long drives we do do fun stuff and, and that's part of becoming a great golfer is is you know releasing and having fun mm-hmm. so it sounds like you're an advocate of, of responsible speed not just <laughs> meaning speed that you can harness effectively well, yeah, absolutely. But there's there's times and places where, you know, some of my guys will just swing out of their ass and and, and fall over, and they can still keep it in play, and some can't. But if you can still keep it in play, and you're swinging much harder than your normal, um, that's on you. That's up to you. But yeah, I definitely, I, you know, if you can still keep balance and you're swinging it hard, I don't have a problem with it. I just don't want you swinging hard. It, it's almost like swinging as hard as you can with a stick or like a speed stick or something. You're swinging with your arms as hard as you can. I'm not an advocate of that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm more into using the body properly to create the speed, not swinging as hard as you can with your arms. Uh, you know, I know you, you have a reputation for uh, giving lessons in your flip-flops. What do you think about Phil Mickelson? He's been posting these uh, instructional videos and his flip-flops. You, you had the market cornered on that. Now he's jumping in there. <laughs> I love that dude. He's fucking hilarious. He's, uh, you know, it, it's cool that, I mean, once I, I met him, he I, I think he's one of the cooler dudes out there for sure. Um, and people love watching him because, you know, he's got a great personality and, and I, fuck, he, he, he can, he can, he earned the to right to, to be comfortable playing golf. You know what I mean? Right. Sure. So flip flops are, are something that are, are, are abnormal. We all do it at the beach. Why not do it on the golf course? You know, it's just, it's a game. It's not, you know, this is not going to church. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Sure. You, uh, I know, you, I know your business will let you go. One other question I want to put you on the spot, which is, is there a player that you see right now uh, watching their swing, and you say, God, I would love to work with that guy because I think I could really help him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, no, see, the, the problem with saying stuff like that is I don't want to disrespect coaches. <laughs> right, or right. Anything sure. like that. You know what I mean? But, but you know, I, I would love to work with Jason Day because I know I could help him a lot. Hmm. Um, and not just for, like, his golf swing, but I could help his back not, you know, ever be hurt mm. again. And, 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 and so – that that would be a guy that I'd really, I, you know, it, it would it would be fun because he's got he's a great dude, um, and and I know I can help him, so it'd be fun. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the back because that was my other question, which is I've never heard you talk about matchups like that. And obviously, one of the things is like kind of how a certain move matches up with their with their body, right? With like what their physical capabilities are. So that's an example. Is that right? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I just think that his setup is killing him, one. Um, and the fact that he doesn't turn in his backswing, it's not making huge changes to his golf swing. It's just the fact that his setup is not allowing him to finish his turn, you know, with his hips and, and to get it back inside. He jumps and extends early um, because of the setup and not turning all the way back equals, you know, back pain. Um, because he is still hitting optimal shots that, that are hurting his back. And, um I, I I know for a fact the guy's got major talent and the ability to be number one in the world, and so and I know he's a cool dude. So it, that would just be a cool thing, and, and most likely that'll never never happen. But if it does, that would be one of my guys that I'd like to uh, one of the guys that I'd like to actually eventually work with if, if possible. Perfect. Very cool. Well, George, thanks so much. I know you're busy. You're filming stuff. You're playing today. What you have a target number for your round today in mind? when I do that it doesn't work out okay. <laughs> usually when I have the least confidence going into a round is when I play my best yeah that sounds like golf <laughs> that's that's welcome to my world interesting alright well anyway, anyway yeah. enjoy it George thank okay. you so much and congrats again on Matt's win and we look forward to seeing more of him and more of you out there as well thank you I appreciate it guys have a great day thank we'll you talk soon. sounds good take All care right, Thanks again to George Gankis for joining us. Really interesting stuff. I, I I would kill to get a lesson with this guy. I mean, I know you can. You just have to bring well, apparently $500 in cash or something, right? Right, and it's yeah. like months in advance. Months, and yeah, the guy is booked. Yeah. So. You know what's interesting is that I asked that question about um, why he bypassed the PGA process. And yes. he said you don't really need to be um, certified to be able to teach people, which in his case ends up being true because right. he's – got this very active mind very curious you know studied the swing obviously has some inherent ability as a player himself so he has proven that he didn't need formal training to make a positive impact on other golfers however most people need a foundation of of knowledge right you know they need an actual formal education to get to that point so you can't just say oh well you know you don't need a you don't need to have any training to be a pro well if i'm going to go to a pro and he's just some crackpot who's just you know picked things up you right. know um then 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 that obviously that's a, there's a huge flaw in that system so right. i found that to be you know kind of one thing that he's just a unique situation like he's proven that he has you know a, you know very insightful about the golf swing i'm sure there's you know more educated uh golf minds out there will poke holes in some yeah. of the things he says because that's kind of what that world is all about so i'm not saying that it's foolproof but i'm just saying that he's thought a lot of this through and it comes from a very you know um solid foundation of you know learning and studying the swing and and there are a couple i think key things to remember after talking to him and, and some of this has come out already is that a obviously look at matthew wolf you can have a unorthodox swing and still be an incredible player so that's that's number one but b is that George Genkis, and I know this keeps coming out, he does not, this is not his method. He does not go around teaching everybody how to swing. I know there was a viral video of another student of his who copied Matthew Wolf's swing in, and did it in front of Matthew Wolf, and it was pretty amazing, a, a young kid. But he doesn't, you know, if Keely, if you or I went to see him for a lesson, he's not going to have us doing that and the yeah, little no. shimmy before, you know, that's that's Matthew Wolf's. He's He's gone with that. So, again, I think it is great that you see more teachers kind of letting – the student lead the way, and and um, and obviously it's working so far for Matthew Wolf. Um, 
All right, we're going to move on. Another, We have another guest, a special guest, an in-house yeah. guest. In-house. Uh, Michael <laughs> Sneedon. The rare uh, in-house guest. One of our photographer, videographer extraordinaires. He works with me on The Grind. That's often. all he does. It's, he's just, he's uh, just yeah, your what? assistant. Like of all well, things, no. he Wait, does. Well, he, he works on The Grind, and he's a caddy. Right. Yeah, he's a part-time caddy. Man, who knows? I mean, is he going to leave his job if, now? If, what, if the, what are you going to do? Is working yeah. with you, then he'll leave. For <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> so his buddy, uh, Kyle Westmoreland, uh, a Air Force pilot, captain, 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 yeah. captain incredible, uh, who is now done with his duty. Soon to be done. Soon to be done. Will be formally discharged. Uh, will be out there. It, it was a great golfer while at the Air Force Academy. Um, has now made back-to-back cuts on the web.com tour. He finished T25 the week before. That's what got him into this event. Michael reached out to him, said, hey, you want me to caddy? It was, what, an eight-hour drive or something? Yeah, to Finley Lake, to Finley Lake New York. New York, and uh, it was July 4th weekend, so we were kind of off anyway. He ended up caddying for him. Right, and, his um, first time caddying in, any, first time in caddying, any context. Oh, he came over. He was asking us all these questions. Oh I thought he was asking, like, really complicated questions. He was asking like no what do i do right we're yeah. like you rake the bunk <laughs> yeah and like it was, what do i do in the rain and right, like, right right, yeah. right. I, I i think in those situations that uh caddies and players would much rather have someone who completely acknowledges they know nothing mm-hmm. the worst case scenario is guys who think they know what yes. they're doing and then they end up being even more of a nuisance sure, out there sure so i think mike went in with a very open mind like hey listen and very deferential to the other caddies which i think was smart right he says look i've never caddied before i want to i want to help i don't want to be in the way right tell mm-hmm. me what i should do I think um, you know he had four days of it, which is great. I mean, actually, more because he had practice rounds as well. Right. So he was able to kind of get the full experience. Yeah. So anyway, we had Mike in. I thought it'd be fun to hear what the experience was like caddying on the Corn Ferry Tour, formerly Web.com Tour, for Kyle Westmoreland. So here's uh, Sam's chat with Michael Sneed. Okay, joining us today is my colleague and friend Michael Sneeden, who is supervising producer at Golf Digest, and for the first time last weekend, a professional caddy. That's right. Uh, so uh, Mike caddied for his friend Kyle Westmoreland, who um, Monday qualified the week prior in Utah on the Corn Ferry Tours um, Utah Championship, and then as a result of the his showing there. Made it into the Calm Health in Finley Lake, Ohio. Finished T sixty three. Asked his friend, "You guys go back to where again? Your friendship?" Uh, I grew up with his wife. Okay. Uh, his his wife is my wife's best friend. Right. And Kyle is probably most noteworthy because he's a captain in the United States Air Force. So uh, really unique background, but also a great talent in golf. And and uh, Mike's going to describe a little bit about his uh, tremendous length off the tee. So he asked you to caddy your first time caddying in any context. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. So we had a conversation uh, last week about just like do's and don'ts. So talk to me first about your experience, which is, you know, caddying for the first time, not just anywhere, but in a professional event and kind of the nerves that went into that. Yeah, I was a lot more nervous on the first tee than I thought I'd be because all I'm doing is carrying the bag, you know, show up and shut up. Um, but my, th- the thing that kept going through my head was I don't want to be the reason that he messes up or anything or, or like, you know, I didn't want to stand behind him when he's lining up. I, I didn't want to be a rules infraction. I didn't want to get in his head at all. Uh, so I was kind of like balancing how much should I talk to him between shots how much does he want me to help and I got a good feel for that in the practice around the day before 
of what I should actually be doing. Um, but a truly ner- probably more nervous off the tee than he was. And we had, we had suggested uh, prior that maybe you touch base with some of the caddies you're going to be with in your group. Did you do that? Yes. Well, on the practice round, we were paired up with uh, another young guy, Patrick Sullivan, and uh, who's you know trying to make it and everything. And his caddy, Joe, was very helpful. I told him straight off the bat. I said, hey, I've never done this before. And uh, he was he was super helpful. He's like, oh, just do this, do this, do this. It was it was it was nice of him. Do you think you could put you quantify? So he finished six hundred par for the week, correct? Something like that. Yes. So six hundred par, t sixty three. Do you think you can quantify um, how many strokes you? I don't want to say cost him or how many strokes in maybe a couple of situations where you actually helped him. Um, I'm wondering if a vet caddy could have put him in a better position or whether it was me or, you know, bones on the bag, how much Kyle would have wanted to help him. So like putting, I don't know if he would have even asked a vet to help him with putting. Cause I didn't, I didn't help him like read greens or anything. He's a very good putter. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think anybody could have helped him off that. He, he, he did well. Um, numbers. I'm good at math. Um, so the calculating the numbers, I'm not sure a caddy could have done better. Maybe, I never tried to talk him out of anything, so um, and he missed some greens. So may, maybe a vet caddy with more confidence, um, who's been there even longer than him, would have been able to talk him into a different club, right, or something. But I'd like to say I didn't. I didn't cost him any shots, um, and there was probably one, probably one instance where we kind of had to hurry where. Um, I gave him a good number, and he stuck it to like two feet. So I, I got, I got, and he birdied it. So he got at least, he got at least one shot. Off what do you think the hardest part of caddying uh, in a professional event is that most people wouldn't appreciate? Um, the sum of it all. Every day, because we had we had um, rain delays, uh, we were in threesomes. So kind of not just helping your guy, but you know, being there for the other guys too. Um, you know, like pulling the plant, pulling the pin, raking the bunkers, and cleaning the balls. You, you kind of have to, depending on where everybody is on the green or right off the green, you're helping the other players too. And that was something I wasn't expecting. Like I was going to focus in on Kyle the whole time, just whatever he needed, clean his clubs, carry his bag, rake the bunkers. But you, you're really working as a team um, uh, with the other players. Like I, I was helping other players too. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know you did that. And if you're dealing with weather, did you ever have to deal with an umbrella? Because that's a yep. whole other umbrella with the towel going through the top i we did have to do that only once um but uh yeah we it was it came on really fast too so i was worried that uh you know his clubs were going to get to it and everything but we had terrible terrible rain but most of the time we stopped because of it okay so a little bit of baptism by fire yeah so um and uh, so talk to me a little bit about kyle because uh obviously a very unique background for a professional golfer yeah so he's still active in the military, um, in the Air Force. Uh, he's out in August, um, and he was supposed to have his exit interview last week, and then he qualified in. So they pushed it back another week. He T25 in that one, so they pushed it back another week. So he's hopefully probably doing it this week. So um, 225, all muscle, biggest guy out there, um, drives it a mile. Had the longest drive of the week, 354. And um, total complete player, though he's not just like a one-trick pony. He, his putting's great. Um, his temperament is the best I've ever seen. Um, doesn't get too up or down, and is the total package. And beyond that, um, he's everyone's favorite player out there. 
by a mile. Um, he's, you know, he's Captain America out there. And, and he would hate that I'm saying this because he's very modest, but he, that really is how he is. On the 18th grade at the LeeCom, um, there was a veteran's tent. And every round after he putted, he took time before we went off to the first tee because we were usually off 10 um, to shake everyone in the tent's hand. And then by the time everybody, the whole crowd got to know him by the last day, people were cheering for him as if he won the tournament. Um, so he's a sponsor's dream. I know that. Um, so I I think, you know, a couple more made cuts, a couple more good finishes. Um, it's not just going to be us talking about him. People are going to know who he is because he could he could get out there on the PGA Tour today and maybe not score like them yet, but he's longer than them and he's putting as well as them. Yeah. What do you think he gave up in terms of um, – you know, how many reps, uh, practice time, all those things while being active in the military? That was the biggest thing. Um, he He's now starting where the rest of these guys that are, like, getting out of college is starting because for the last five years he has been active. So he hasn't had a ton of time to practice and um, qualify into these tournaments and everything. He's just – he's played a couple of sponsor exemptions and then the, money, the ones he money qualified into. So, yeah, it was a – big sacrifice for him I, I don't think that he even sees it that way you know his his priority seems to be um to his job and to his country and everything so i think he's glad the way he went about it mm-hmm. but yeah he's 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 with like the 21 and 22 year olds as far as experience yeah and i would imagine like you mentioned his temperament is really good i gotta think a lot of that is a byproduct of what he's done for a living for the last few years i would have thought so too um and then what his wife tells me is that um it's just the kind of guy he is he's he's from texas he's he's very disciplined it's all yes sir and yes ma'am and that i think that came up before military but the discipline with the practicing is probably that's probably where that comes from his hard work um uh when he's like actually practicing so i the fact that he hasn't been able to practice all and he's still keeping up with these guys like it's it's a big deal you know what i was gonna say is he had uh from not mistaken he shot even part to start yep then he shot uh saturday and sunday was even part yeah but friday he shot 66 yes so um from a caddy's perspective what is the energy like uh between you two when he's got a really good round going um even keeled because i was just trying to match his his um his output he so um second third fourth hole of his second round he went birdie eagle birdie and the eagle was a drivable par four that he missed off the green and he chipped in and i gave a fist pump i like i wanted to like you know like high five him and everything and he just kind of nodded to the six fans that were out there and uh uh just like gave me gave me the club it's like hell of a shot bud he's like thanks so I, I tried to match him. If he would have, you know, fist pumped and everything, I would have done it with him. Um, but um, he is very even killed. He yeah. could he could get a hole in one, and he would just kind of give a nod to the crowd. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So you were kind of following his lead a lot. Yeah, yeah. So the big question uh, before we let you go is uh, you have four rounds under your belt. Yep. What are the odds you get a return uh, engagement with him? I think I think good. I told him anything within driving distance. If I can get the work off, uh, then I would come. And I, it was it was a good experience all the way around. I mean, if he's on tour, like I, 
you'll be getting my two weeks notice. Yeah. Well, you know the thing is, seriously, for a second, because I've caddied, um, I've caddied in you know uh, high level competitive environments, and I'm not a good enough player to play in a high level competitive environment. You're you're not either. All due respect, but it, it's it's a great way to appreciate that environment if you're not able to actually play in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know that these guys are good, and then you see it. Um, and you just their bad days are even rounds it, it's crazy he did not play well on his own by his own account on Saturday and he shot even so yeah appreciating it um, being next to these giant drives up close will give you a headache that's how loud they are yeah that's amazing <laughs> alright Michael Sneedon good job get back to your regular job but uh, I do hope you get another opportunity same alright Thanks again to Mike Sneedon for joining us. Uh, give us his take. I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he's going to Mike? Leave? Leave for good? I don't know. I mean, let's see. Let's, I don't even know what the payment situation was for. for I didn't even mention. He didn't yeah. even say that. He, he, definitely, he was just worried about his expenses being covered. Like I know he was trying to stuff. justify. Yeah. I think just even recording that podcast with us, he's like, yeah, "That's yeah. Well, that's content." That right was there. good for that's him. That's absolute yeah. content. So yeah. um, I know he said he's going to try to do it again because really? was, yes, wow. for sure. But um. I'm not, I'm not his supervisor, so I'll have to take that up with other yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, interesting stuff for sure. Very cool. Uh, we wish, wish Kyle Westmoreland well as as well. All right, guys, anything else? Obviously, we had a little different uh, format today with the two guests. Uh, anything else that uh, you want? Keely, I'll let, give the floor to you. Anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, I actually was going to bring this up earlier because when we were talking about driving distance and players – chasing distance and that messing up their swing the lpga winner this weekend shun shun fung spoke about a really similar thing saying that a season ago she started to try and chase more distance completely lost the feel of her swing and she went nearly two years without winning um but she won this weekend um also a very exciting finish had to birdie the 18th which she didn't even realize until she saw the leaderboard behind the 18th green which was pretty funny um but yeah I just thought that was I thought that was really interesting because I you know it feels like a trap that a lot of amateurs fall into as well just like trying to gain distance and you I think there's a lot more benefit in kind of playing to your strengths I mean she hits 80 percent of fairways like I'll take fairways over distance any day well, she, uh, yeah, uh, she's a machine. Didn't we talk about that last week? About or yeah. not recently about the, uh, the Champions Tour? What's the skill? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I what was you're thinking more about. like I think Francesco Molinari is like the only player that we could think of in recent memory who added all this yardage and became a better player. Mm, all, I mean, yeah. m- most of the time Usually. it's like oh I look to get, gain more yardage and then the games fall apart. Yeah, yeah. it was also twenty nine under par. I mean, oh yeah, where, second where lowest in insane. history. Yeah, there was one last year. That was 31. 31 yeah. yeah, no, it was unbelievable. And she hit every single green on Sunday. Could oh. you imagine? No. Just just two putts all day just to shoot even par. Could you? Wow. Yeah, I would have had fun too, Sean. Sean. Ah, it's amazing. Sam, what do you want to talk about? Well, the only thing we didn't really touch upon was John Daly's. Um, oh yeah. Um, appeal to the RNA to be able to use a cart That's as true. he did at the. PGA, which they allowed, the RNA decided they were not going to let him do it because they said, A, uh, it's not in the tradition of the game, mm-hmm. uh, B, the the sort of layout of Royal Portrush would be kind of prohibitive for right. that type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, 
it's a complicated issue. I I happen to think that you know, unlike Casey Martin, I think did we talk about this already? Unlike with Casey Martin, who had a you know, it was born with a yes. condition that you know made it impossible for him to otherwise compete. Yeah. Uh, John Daly has a condition, and it's I think been classified by the ADA as a condition that you know should qualify him for a card. The difference is is that um, it, I don't know. I don't I don't want to offend people by saying this, but it feels to me like more of a you know degenerative injury that a lot of aging professional right. athletes mm-hmm. deal with and signals to them that they can no longer compete. Like a lot of guys have that issue. So I have, my point is, is that I was uh, very much in favor of Casey Martin mm-hmm. being able to use a cart when he appealed to the PGA Tour to use one. I have less of a problem with the fact that uh, John Daly was not given that right. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm with you. Um, it is a complicated issue and I wouldn't say I'm 100% on either side, but it does feel like Daly has developed this throughout his career. It's it's something that that holds him back now, but you know that's that's how it goes. I mean, it's wear and tear on an athlete's body. I just don't like when they when tradition is used as, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't the only consideration here. But tradition shouldn't be the only reason for not you know just because completely. No one else is John John Feinstein wrote that for the right. site today about you yeah. know there's a lot of traditions quote right. in golf the, that that were reversed that for a good ex- reason. Yeah. exactly. So we'll see. Uh, one other thing we didn't touch upon actually is is John Rom. And oh, I yeah. just want to mention, because he did shoot 64-62 at Hinge <laughs> uh, to win the Irish Open. No he big is deal. only 24. He is a former number one world amateur uh, who has gotten up to number two in the world. So he, you know, another one of these guys, Sam, it, we just go on and on with how these – He's under, washed up, though. He's right, old he's news. 24. He's, he's so old. Um, just an incredible performance. By the way, have you played Lynch? Are you being sarcastic? No. No, I have. I love it. Yeah, he posted all about it on his Instagram. Well, I mean, when we played, we played that classic, you know, of Waterville, Bally Bunyan, LaHinch. You know, amazing. Amazing place. However, we played it. (laughs) It was an absolute gale storm. So it was brutal. And, I mean, I'd say what you want, but, like, that ultimately affects your sort of assessment of the golf course. When you have your head buried in your coat for for every time. (laughs) But, I mean, it's fantastic. So. Auntie, I, I got to say, it looked like the most spectacular course in the world on TV. I yeah. mean, I, I well, the, a lot of those courses, you know, are, yeah. are like that too. So why why is Lahinge? Why so do you say Lahinge? It's Lahinch. Lahinch. Why is Lahinch? See, okay, sorry. Why is Lahinch so revered and Old Head gets kind of? Well, old Head is a new course. Okay. Uh, That's I think. It. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's basically. Old, I think Old Head is like a sort of people say that Old Head is gimmicky. Right. In the sense that, like, they put it on this really dramatic plot, plot of land, o- overlooking cliffs. It's not like it was, you know, the you know the classic uh, tale of Lynx courses. They're sort of right. built from this, you right, know, right, built right. naturally. And Old Head is a bit manufactured. I think Old Head is amazing. Again, talk about being biased by the weather. We played like on a spectacular right. late afternoon. It was gorgeous. I loved it. Um, but you know, again, it does feel like a newer venue. The hinges like feel like it's been there for you know centuries. Sure. All right, last thing. We got the John Deere Classic, um, and it's a tough spot for the John Deere Classic this year. It never <laughs> gets the best feel, obviously, the week before the British Open. But even uh, hometown hero Steve Stricker, who was our guest last week, he has decided to play in um, a, this final senior major of the year and not play in the John Deere Classic. 
So it's a tough blow to that tournament because he's like the base, the Tiger Woods of the John Deere Classic. Um, so I think Steve made the right decision. But anyway, Keely, who, who in his place, I know we looked at the, the field. It's not uh, not riveting. But we do have, I will say, we do have these young three guys, Hovland, um, Wolf, and Morikawa are all playing again. Who, who do you like? Um, okay, I like Kyle Stanley. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. right? 45 to 1. I'm liking the value there. Um, he has played well in this event in the past. Last year was not one of those years. He missed the cut. Um, but right when he was coming out on tour, he finished, I think behind Stricker by like one shot, like he Mm -hmm. bogeyed the 18. Mm -hmm. So he's got some, some good memories here. And I mean, the field is kind of very weak. So I think if, if he's going to win one, why not this weekend? Sure. Sam, anybody? I'm going to actually, I was ride the hot wave. Matthew Wolf? No, I was going to ride the young rookie wave of yeah. Victor Hovland. There I mean, Victor people Hovland. get caught up in, like, he finished T13. Oh, he's had an amazing, amazing start to yeah. his career. So Last I think, week he was the guy. Right. Now, these now, guys, now yeah, he's gone. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like he, uh, amateur psychology, has been emboldened by his right. uh, former Teammate. teammates win, and he, it feels like it's his turn. So that's my pick. It, it, you know, it's rooted in absolutely nothing, but that's my, that's my pick. I, and I, like I do the, feel I like would, a light field. I was field. actually going to pick Victor Hovland too. You you stole my pick. You can so. pick. We're allowed to pick the same person. All right, let's pick. I, or I was I was going to say though, you know, I keep picking him, Joaquin Neiman. I know you have too, and he keeps playing. He's right he's there. Break off. He's right there. He's actually thirty three to one odds. Whereas Ooh, yeah. Victor Hovland is more in the uh, fifteen to twenty odds. I think actually those all those three young guys are right among the, the favorites this week, which again is impressive for them, but it also shows the field is is not great. So. I'll I'll say both Victor Hovland and Joaquin Neiman, so hey. I can whoever wins. You know, I'll, you know I'll the golf tournaments only uh, they only award one winner. That's how they work. Yeah. Okay. We'll just want to make sure. We'll see. Uh, so anyway, no strict show though at TPC Deer Run this week. All right. Anyway, guys, it was fun. Uh, obviously, we saw something pretty historic. I think in Matthew Wolf's win. Great chatting with George Gankis. Thanks to him for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Brittany Romano. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. And check back next week to see who our guest is. Thank you.